Good morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 6. If you need one, there should be one in front of you in the seat below. Just want to welcome those who are watching the live stream this morning. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. We'll read uh, verses 1 through 6. Judges chapter 6, 1 through 6, and then we'll pray. <clears throat> Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. Because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just ask for your help this morning, and we pray that you would sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I can remember one year uh, when we went to Haiti, uh, we had a driver, and everything he said, he would follow it up with, uh, with, the, with God's help with God's help. And it was kind of funny because, you know, he's got an accent and, and I mean, he would say, you know, whether it be like, um, you know, I'm going to go in here and, and get some sugar with God's help. He would follow it up with God's help. Uh, you know, he, he may say, you know, we're going to have to take a turn uh, when we get up here to this building because in Haiti, there's not really, you know, road signs or street signs or stop signs or anything. He would say, you know, we get up here to this building, we'll take a turn with God's help. And, uh, and I, I don't know if, 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 you know, he genuinely, you know, meant that or felt that. I, I think he did. Uh, but but I, I just thought it was a cool thing to say because it's a reminder of how uh, dependent we, we actually are on God. Like literally every single thing we do from, from every breath we take, every single thing, uh, we only do it uh, with God's help. And I think in America, we like to look at it like, you know, it's our effort plus God's help that accomplishes things, but I, I think when this guy was saying it in Haiti, he was, he was saying it like that, like every little turn, every, uh, every step that I take, um, it, I'm going to take it with God's help alone, right? Um, but, but some people are very uh, confident in their own abilities, right? Maybe, maybe the longer you do something, um, the better you are at doing it. And, 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 you know, if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that it's not with God's help, but that we are actually uh, very sufficient people. Uh, and that's insanity, but, but it is the reality. We can begin to think that we are totally capable of doing the things uh, that, that we are called to do or led to do or supposed to do, that, that we can really become uh, very great in our own eyes. 
the reality is not only uh, can we not do anything hardly apart from other people. Uh, I think about like, you know, think about every piece of equipment you use. Uh, think about every tool that you use. Every time you make a meal, every one of those things uh, required millions uh, of people. Um, you know, that they act like that, you know, we, we think that we're in such a technologically advanced society, but, you know, if you look at everything we have, you know, the grunt work was done, you know, thousands of years ago, all the algorithms, all the equations. I mean, I heard somebody quoting the Magna Carta um, to, to condemn uh, Putin this week. Well, that was written a thousand years ago, right? Uh, so many people um, ha have come before us and have refined um, our abilities uh, to do things. That there's nothing that we do, even sitting in these chairs right now this morning, uh, that didn't that, that didn't require uh, someone to be involved, right? And not just one, but hundreds and thousands um, throughout hundreds of years. So it's important for us to realize that on one level, um, just to kind of humble us, um, and then the reality is, is that anything uh, that is a skill or something that, that, that you are using uh, on this earth, yourself included, uh, has really come from God, right? Uh, so, so, so people have contributed uh, to, to where we are right now and what we do, but ultimately um, we have come from God. He is the creator of all life and everything in it. I think it's important that we remember that uh, because sometimes we forget. Uh, but this text this morning is something that reminds us that God loves to use people who uh, recognize their total inability. Uh, I heard one pastor say this one time. He said, when I was a young man, I thought what the Lord wanted for me was to be strong. But now I believe what he, want, what he wants for me is to recognize how weak I am. And Tim Keller, who I'm using his commentary uh, uh, to prepare week in and week out for judges, I like how Tim Keller, he describes Gideon, uh, who we're going to uh, learn about today. Uh, he describes Gideon this way. He calls him the weak, mighty warrior. And, and, and that kind of sounds God, or kind of sounds odd, the, the, the weak, mighty warrior. Uh, every Christian should see themselves as a weak, mighty warrior who trusts in God to accomplish what they are called to do. So there's humility. Uh, if, if you think weak, mighty, weak, weak, mighty warrior, the weak, mighty warrior, um, there's humility there, and then at the same time, there's courage there. So can those two even go together, humility and courage? This morning, I think you see that take place as one who struggles with his incapability and at the same time moves forward. Uh, courageously, you might say in part, but nonetheless moves forward. So we have been through the book of Judges, uh, Judges chapter 6. Uh, we have been studying through it. Uh, if you have been thinking about the, 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 the general direction uh, of the period, the way this book explains itself, I kind of laid it out a few weeks ago, is you start in chapter 2 with this seven-step cycle, uh, which begins with Israel doing uh, evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, the Lord ends up giving them over to the hands of their enemies. Israel cries out uh, under this horrendous situation. The Lord raises up a deliverer. Uh, the oppressing nation is overcome. 
There is peace in the land, and the deliverer rules for a season, and then the, the deliverer uh, dies, and then that cycle just repeats itself. And you can follow this cycle throughout the book of Judges. And, and there really is something for you and I to just stop and look at that cycle for a moment, because if you are honest, you can probably look at this cycle, and you can see it in your own life. Uh, play out just like that, like, like, man, you know, I need restoration and I need repentance in my life. And then you find yourself in this place and you're kind of just like moving along in this cycle. And, 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 you know, we do this here in our service too. If you pay attention uh, to, to our service, uh, you know, we, we start out every service. We say there is a God um, who, who deserves our worship right? He is in charge. He is in control. He is the, the, the maker and the creator, and, and he is holy, and, and we are to submit to him. But then we say, you know, but we're sinners, right? And, and we're separated from him, and, and, and we have rebelled against him, um, and we have, you know, w went our own way. But then we say, but then there's this assurance, you know, through a deliverer who, who is Jesus Christ, who, who forgives us, uh, we, we keep telling ourselves that cycle because we know that we're going to live in that cycle. So we just keep telling uh, ourselves that. So let's look at Judges 6 and, and see this, uh, this weak, mighty warrior. So in verse 1, uh, you see what happens. Uh, it says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them over. Uh, and, and just real quick, what was doing evil in the sight of the Lord? Uh, some may say that it's that it's bad thing number one. So some may say that it's bad thing number two. Some of us may have a short list of bad things. And, and if we don't do those bad things throughout the course of a week, we may think that we're like in a really good place. Uh, but the problem is what you see in this text and throughout Judges is people are serving these other gods that are either attractive or they are frightening. They're either attractive or they're frightening, and they start believing that their security and their acceptance and their power um, and their comfort, uh, the, the things that everyone is looking for in life, that, that they are going to find it in, in, in something other than the one true God. So they will either look at their crops or they'll look at their home. They'll look at whatever it is, and they will look at whatever comfortable state that they want to be in. So, so, so what they're doing is, is, is when, when they are calculating these things, their circumstances, they say life is at peace. And, and those things and those circumstances end up becoming their gods. And that's their biggest problems, right? It's not just that, you know, they, they, they cuss, they chew, and they date girls who do, uh, if you're familiar with that. Uh, but, but it's they have put their, their trust in something other than God himself, right? And, and, and then what they end up doing is, is they start worshiping these other gods, but then they also say that they worship the one true God, and they start mixing uh, the two, and it gets bad. And they're going to find themselves just in a horrendous situation, as we've already seen. Guess what? Um, you know, those little idols uh, that, that, that we make, uh, the, the things, that, that, the things that, that people generally call you out on, um, you, you know, like your family or your job, um, that they aren't necessarily bad things. And that's what we see in Judges is that a lot of times, you know, the things that, that we end up trusting in or end up finding security in, they're not really bad things, um, but they end up becoming bad things. And, and if, you were to go to, if you were to go and visit Israel, 
um, you know, you might say, man, they're not really, they're not doing so bad. They, they're, 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 they're good things that they're resting in and that they're trusting in. But see, we serve a jealous God uh, and he has made them and he has created them and he has gifted them. And he says, you can't serve those things and me. Uh, the, the rest of verse 1 going into verse 2 here says, And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And verse 2, And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. So notice what happens. This is a little different than before. Israel is now hiding in the mountains. Uh, now just something for us to understand. You know, uh, well, you may think of the mountains and you may think, uh, you know, Smoky Mountains. Uh, you may think, man, that, that must be awesome. You know, that sounds like a vacation. That sounds like a weekend getaway. But for the Israelites to be in the mountains, this is not them on vacation. They are hiding out. And, and some of the times you will see this in different parts of the world, that they will build a fortress and they will build it on top of a mountain. And why? Uh, and, and there's actually a place in Israel where Herod did that. And they did it because it was hard for people to get up there. It was a good place to hide. It was a way of protecting themselves the problem here is is that there's not food on top of the mountain you know the food is in the valley so look what happens here verse three for whenever the israelites planted crops and you got to understand the israel crops come once a year uh that the midianites and the amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them in other words the midianites and amalekites they show up and they devour all of the food that they have worked for all year to provide for themselves. So it's, it's different from what happened before. If you remember Ehud a couple weeks ago, he carries a tribute to the king. Like he pays his taxes. Um, what, what, what's going on here? The Midianites and Amalekites, they're not really collecting taxes. Uh, th th this is like the taxes are 100% and there's nothing left and you are starving to death. That's the situation that the Israelites are in here. This isn't like uh, you're going to get a minimum wage. This is like we're going to take your wages completely and we're going to eat it all up and, and you will live in a state of poverty forever. That's what we see here. If you ended up uh, with any of the harvest, it would be because you went out and you picked it and you carried it into the mountains and hid it. So I hope you see the situation is getting worse. Verse 4, they would encamp against them, it says, and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep, no ox, no donkey, so no livestock. All that's, they're taking all that. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number, it says in verse 5. By the way, locusts, um, when locusts come through, they leave nothing. Right? Uh, the, the people are in a worse place than they have ever been before. It's kind of like uh, I can remember when I, when, I, in, when I bought my first house, you know, I was working at the factory and I, I would work all week, uh, get paid and then, you know, pay all the bills and wouldn't have nothing left. Whole check was gone, right? So you've worked, you know, the people of Israel, they've worked all year for these crops and then they get nothing in return, you know. Uh, man, the basic necessities have been taken away, but mom would always help me out there a little bit when my check was gone. Um, so, 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 what, so I'm not like, Israelites had it more rough than me. Uh, so, so what is going to be the response here? Israel is going to cry out to the Lord, and how will the Lord respond? Uh, we said the general pattern is, is, is uh, that God sends a deliverer, but here it, it starts with God sending a preacher. Verse 8. Right now, 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 who wants to hear from a preacher right now? Nobody wants to hear that. 
Send someone that can overcome these people. We don't have time for your prayers. We don't have time for your preachers. You know, like in the book of James, it says if somebody comes up to you and they're hungry and they don't have any clothes, you know, if you tell them, hey, I'll pray for you, well, that doesn't do them any good. You know, and, and that's, what, that's what the Israelites are thinking right here. Um, you know, we, we, we don't need a word. We, we need a gun, right? These people are... But they have, they have robbed us. Uh, they didn't want to hear a sermon. But, but guess what? It's what they needed. And why? Because they needed to understand why they were in the condition that they were in. Before God rescued them, they needed to see that. Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you, you don't need just a bandage. You need surgery. And for this thing to get right and for the Israelites to stop falling into this pattern, this cycle that keeps spiraling downward, for that to happen, they need to understand that they need heart surgery more than they need for these people to go away. And the reality is, is you need that, and I need that. So God gives them a history lesson, and he speaks of delivering them out of slavery from the land of Egypt. Verse 9, And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you. God drove them out before you and gave you their land. Verse 10, And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. God wants true repentance uh, in their lives so they will turn away from the things that keep leading them back into bondage. It's an ongoing process. God wants true repentance, not just regret. Tim Keller says, God sends the prophet to convict of sin before he sends the judge to rescue from oppression because the people are regretful, but they're not repentant. Filled with, the, filled with regret, but not filled with repentance. Keller, he goes on to say that the Bible makes a clear distinction between the two. And you can find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Worldly sorrow brings death. Both contain sorrow and distress, but they are completely different. Worldly sorrow doesn't produce any real change whereas repentance does. And why? Because Keller says regret is sorrow over the consequences of sin, but not the sin itself. You hear that? If there had been no consequences, there would have been no sorrow. This happens in, in, in our life all the, all the time, right? Uh, we, we cry tears when we do something bad when we get caught, right? But if we never got caught, then, then we wouldn't really sweat it. Uh, we, we don't really shed tears over the sin and how it impacts our relationship with God. Uh, we shed tears over, you know, how it, it affected our comfort uh, and our circumstances. If you are overwhelmed with how your sin has offended God, uh, then you're thinking rightly. If, if I never get to the place where I consider how my sin has dishonored God, uh, then I'm looking horizontally uh, and I'm not looking vertically to God. God wants restoration, and God wants true repentance. So uh, we, we need to check uh, that, that we are, we need to check and see what we are really sorry about, the consequences of sin or the sin itself. So God sends a prophet to get to the heart of the people, but this is really important. God sends a deliverer even though we don't see true signs of repentance. God is going to deliver before there are actual signs of repentance. And you say, man, that, that, that doesn't even happen in the New Testament. 
You know, that, that seems like soft. Um, but Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, if you look at John the Baptist, the forerunner, uh, you know, he was going to people who needed repentance. He was telling them to repent. Uh, Jesus, he shows up in all these people's lives uh, in the Gospels who were not looking for him. And he shows up right and meets them right where they're at. Uh, I, I think about Peter in Acts when he's preaching uh, that, that, first service at, that first service at Pentecost. Uh, it is God is reaching out to them prior to them being where they need to be. Right? The, the reason he does that is because of our hardened state. We don't come to that place of uh, calling out to God uh, apart from God's grace and mercy. So, uh, and you see that perfectly illustrated in the gospel. So back to Judges 6, God is going to commission a judge here. And, and you notice in verse 11 that he is hiding. He is in the mountains preparing wheat, which he should be doing that in the valley. Right? He's on the hillside doing it. And he's visited by the angel of the Lord. Verse 12. I'll read it. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Verse 13. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. It's interesting. Um, look at what the Lord says. It says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. He's, he, he's not that to us. But the angel of the Lord is saying that to him. And you see Gideon argue uh, that a bit. He, said, he, says, he says, if the Lord is with us, then, then why are we facing this? We, we have heard the stories from old, but, but why are we having to hide in the hills if the Lord is on our side? But, but really, this is the exact reason why they are in the condition that they are in. God wanted to drive them to see the poverty of their idolatry. He's wanting them to see the emptiness of what they are trusting in. In a way, Gideon is saying, uh, remember the days of Moses uh, when you delivered the people and did all of those amazing things? And the Lord says, yeah, I, I remember that. And, and guess what? You're about to act like Moses. That's what God's telling Gideon. You're about to do what he did. You're about to step into leading this deliverance. Verse 15, and he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. You know, if God says something about you and you don't believe it to be true, is it still true? Uh, if he speaks it, if he says it, whether or not I feel like that that's the case or not is irrelevant. If God says it, you, you should trust it. Yes, Gideon cannot save Israel by his own power, but yes, he can by walking in God's power. 
And, and we need to have that same exact attitude. There is a place in us that says, I can't do this. I'm fearful. But at the same time, uh, you are believing God when he says, I'm calling you to this and you can do this through me. And what really, we should look at the Great Commission like that. Uh, you know, we're right here in Lebanon, Kentucky. Uh, we've been called to make disciples. We've been called uh, to, to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach people uh, all that Jesus has commanded. Uh, we cannot do that on our own strength, right? That, you know, we're all weak and, and sinful and, and incapable, but um, in, through Jesus, through the Spirit, we can. With, with, with his strength, with his power, we can. Now, we don't have time to work through all of this, uh, but verses 16 through 35, they are about the angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord appears to many different Old Testament figures and characters. Uh, God, Gideon wasn't really sure about this divine figure that had come. Uh, if you look at verse 22, it says, Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. That's basically like, if you translate that in Hebrew, that's basically like him saying, I saw uh, the angel of the Lord and I did not die, right? Uh, a very powerful encounter there. Uh, what is the angel of the Lord going to tell him to do? First, uh, he just builds an altar and says the, uh, the Lord is peace. And then he is going to be called upon to go tear down an altar that his father had built. If you keep following along here, uh, Gideon knew a little bit about what God had done. And evidently his father had told him, but also his father was serving Baal and Asherah. His father wasn't really committed wholeheartedly to the Lord. He was trusting in other things. So what happens? Uh, before they are going to throw off this enemy, uh, they have to deal with the enemy within, right? A lot of times you'll hear Christians talk so much about how bad the culture is, about how bad, um, you know, America is uh, without first looking in at the church and see how are we acting, right? Um, a, a lot of times you'll see bosses do that, right? They'll talk bad about their employees, uh, but, but not look in the mirror and, and, and see, you know, what's their leadership like. Uh, I can do that with my kid, right? I can point out all the flaws uh, with, with, with my son, but not realize, okay, what kind of example am I setting? What, how am I leading him? Um, and, and you get, you know, it's like, you know, a coach goes on, uh, on um, you know, goes on the air after a game and, and blames his team, you know? And it's like really looked down upon, right? Um, because it's like, you know, I need to look in the mirror and see where I'm at fault first. It's easier to look outside than to look inside is the point. And uh, we aren't warriors for God like they were in Judges. Uh, we are missionaries. But if we as Christians, if we're going to be effective uh, in the mission that we have been called to, and if we're going to love people rightly, and if we're going to preach the gospel rightly and faithfully, the culture has to see it on display in the lives of God's people. So uh, Gideon is going to go in at night to tear down these altars, uh, which shows uh, that, that he's nervous about the situation. And when the people are ready to go after him, uh, the dad stands up, uh, which is kind of an act of courage. And his dad says, if Baal is truly a god, then, then let him defend himself. Uh, and if he's not, then let him be silenced forever. That's what he's saying about this, about this false god, Baal. 
Now, uh, the last portion of this in verses 36 through 40, uh, we're, we're going to the story of the fleece. And maybe some of you have been there where you have studied this passage and you've kind of looked at it, uh, where he goes out one day and he says, I'm going to put this fleece out and I don't want anything to be on it. So when the dew hits it, it's dry. And, and, and really, it's a sign to show him that God is in control of the world, uh, even the natural realm. So then he asks for the next day for the fleece to be wet and for the ground to be dry. And, and you might kind of ask, you know, is he putting God to the test here? And I don't know. Uh, the, the, the beautiful thing for us is, is that we have the scriptures. Uh, we have much more information than Gideon. Right? We don't really have to ask if this is true because we've seen it. And I want to mention a passage to you real quick. Um, living in the period of history that we do, you know, we have the advantage over Gideon of knowing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as he reveals himself in his word. Um, Hebrews chapter 1 says, long ago. At many times, and, and, you know, talking even back to Gideon's time, this is including the time of Gideon. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. We, we have the final revelation of all of that on display for us. We have seen all of those tests where God reveals his character in his son. So, so just kind of to, to wrap this thing up, um, when, when we look at our lives, as, as we look at the troubles that we face, I think we have to say whatever battle that I'm facing right now, I have to first look within and see if there is anything drawing me away from God. Um, we need to be weak, mighty warriors because the war is great. The war is great. Um, but if God has commissioned us to it, if he's called us to it, uh, through him, we have to know that we'll be victorious in it. We have to move forward by faith in Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> uh, God, we thank you for uh, giving us the ultimate deliverer in, in Jesus Christ, uh, the one who has went before us and who has done everything needed for us um, to accomplish for us everything that we needed accomplished. Um, that's ultimately seen in our salvation, uh, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. He has done everything needed for us to be accepted by God, to be loved by God, uh, to be protected and secured by God, uh, to be treasured by God. Uh, so we thank you for that ultimate uh, revelation who is Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.